0: Welcome to today's edition of Gibson's Caring Corner. Creighton, what do we have today?
1: So today we're going to talk about the sandwich generation. And what that basically means is it's family caregivers that are taking care of their kids, but also taking care of mom or dad or or in-laws.
0: And what does the typical caregiver look like in that sandwich generation? They're usually the, most, the female, right? Most
1: of the time, it's the female.
0: Yeah, that's either the daughter or the daughter-in-laws. It's not normally the the male son, not that it couldn't be, but um, normally it's the females involved. And I really think it's because it's our natural tendency to be a, a care provider.
1: Right. Um, what we're going to share with you is some percentages, like 62%. Uh, feel like they have to choose between being a good parent and being a good caregiver or daughter and son.
0: Well, that's just sad, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. that you have to go, okay, do I take care of my baby or do I take care of mom? Because usually it's the female on that side as well. It's not normally dad, it's mom. Um, The majority of our clients are are the female but we do we do have a few males but i um, mainly female and having to make that choice that I don't believe that's how God made that plan
1: shouldn't have to
0: No, you should not have to make that choice but there are ways that you can manage and um, all of those things that you're juggling and make it best for your baby mm-hmm. or small child or your parent and Creighton, I don't know that we want to go into details of any of that, but things could be you know, asking help from your church. It could be asking help from um, the neighbors that know your loved one. Mm-hmm. It could be hiring a professional home care agency to help provide that care. Mm-hmm. But um, using those networks of people <clears throat> that your parent was already involved in, that's the best choice, mm-hmm. even if it's just giving you a day a week. Um, yeah, don't ask for a whole lot because everybody everybody has their own lives as well. But if they could give you a day a week, even if it was a day a month, ask for that help because you would be surprised of what you may receive.
1: Well, it gives you it gives you some me time. You can do it short term, but doing it every day twenty four seven, you mentally and physically get wore down. You need support.
0: Absolutely. One hundred percent agree. All right, What's next?
1: So 45% have cut expenses or shifted budgets to meet responsibilities as a caregiver for a parent or parent-in-law.
0: Budgeting is important. I know um, in this year, you know, just the cost of food is expensive. Yeah. So if you were to think of your wage that you earn and then multiply that times 24, that's the cost of one-on-one care. Yeah. And, that, and that is that can be the minimum cost of one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. So um, it can be very expensive if you need 24-7. You know, we have clients that are from just needing a little bit of help to needing 24-7. Mm-hmm. So if someone needs 24-7 care, they're usually great candidates for facility care. But, we, but there still is a choice that they can stay at home if they are financially able to provide that. Mm-hmm. And things that cover that at-home care are long-term care insurance, private pay, and then other things that could help. You know, if you by chance had a lot of children, what does that, that scripture say? Is it be fruitful and multiply? That, like that. I believe it is. So yeah. if you if you listen to that in the Bible and you and that happened to you, maybe all your children would be willing to split that bill and help provide that in-home care for you. So that is another way you could possibly look at it um, whenever you need it. Yep.
1: So the next one, 23% of all sandwich generation caregivers have quit a job that made it too hard to be a caregiver for mom and dad.
0: And if one of you can afford to quit a job, I would recommend it. Who can provide the most care, the best care? Well, I truly feel it's your family because they know that. But then sometimes the loved one doesn't want to do, do not want their family at all providing that care, especially when it comes to bathing. Um, they they would much rather have a stranger um, help them. That's a professional provide that care than their their children.
1: Yep. So the next one, forty eight percent of the working sandwich generation caregivers say their employer has warned them that their caregiving responsibilities are jeopardizing their employment.
0: Well, I would think if you are leaving um, every little bit to provide care for a loved one and your job requires you to be there for it to be successful, well, you're jeopardizing your job.
1: Yeah, we've we've gotten phone calls before where um, the daughter has no idea what to do and she's had to take off three, four times a week because mom or dad fail and, and they got to meet the M F and she's got to leave work and come back. So we, we get those phone calls a lot.
0: And it matters. So, you know, other things, uh, maybe your department, your HR department could consider providing so many hours for, um, for their employees yeah. to be able to be, um, to be providing that care, or seeking and paying for that care to be provided. There are companies that do that. So that would be something that, of course, we would be willing to talk to any HR department about, Sure. even if it was like paid personal leave where you get so many hours, you might get get some benefit there.
1: Yeah. The next one, 59% of working sandwich generation caregivers feel they've been passed over for a promotion as a result of fulfilling caregiving responsibilities for an aging adult.
0: Well, this this says that they feel they feel like that. So apparently, it is their own guilt yeah. that is creating the, the, that feeling. Mm-hmm. It could be true. Um, if you're not there, then you may have been looked over for a promotion. But if you have a high communication level, be cons- continually thankful to your employer tell them how thankful you are for allowing that and giving them updated results on where you are with closing that gap of needing to be off and to care for that loved one, then hopefully that would fix that problem.
1: Yeah. For for my situation years ago, I mean I've I've always been taught God first, your family second, and work third and whatever it takes, that's what you do. And I was fortunate myself that I had a very, uh, very good employer that understood what we were doing and supported us a hundred percent. So,
0: and what that support looked like was that they enabled um, Creighton Gibson to be off for breakfast, lunch, and supper without any guilt whatsoever to make sure that his dad was fed because after he had a stroke, he could no longer use his hands. Yep. And so he went into a facility and fed his dad every single breakfast, supper, and lunch. For two years. For two years. So um, that was awesome. And just, we we are still very grateful to J.C. Still and Sons yes. for allowing that to happen. Yep.
1: Great company. Mm-hmm. So 59% don't know where to turn or how to ask for help to find relief?
0: So I would start with your primary care physician. Mm -hmm. There are so many medical resources out there available that you may not be aware of. If you're dealing with Alzheimer's disease, there are nonprofits like the Hilarity for Charity Foundation that you can apply for grants that would totally pay for that care if you have had to quit work to provide that care yourself. So there are there are ways that you can seek out to get assistance. It may not just be, be placed into your lap, but you might have to hunt for it a little bit. But start with that primary care physician. Use resources in the library. Um, use resources online. You have access to so many now. Yeah. I would highly provide that. And when people call us, we're providing care for seniors now for over 20 years. And so any resource we can get for someone, whether right. they become a client or not, we want to share it with them like we're doing today.
1: Right. We and, want to empower the, the family caregiver to make the best decision. Uh,
0: absolutely.
1: One of the other websites are homeinstead.ca front slash sandwich generation, sandwich period. Um, that gives you a good, a lot of good resources also.
0: And if you wanted to just to Google um, sandwich gin, yeah. one-sheeter, you will get those choices pop up there mm-hmm. and um, that will just make it easy for you. Yep. I hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Gibson's Caring, Caring Corner.
1: Corner.
2: Hi, welcome back to Health Tips with Kel, your exercise science, health, and fitness enthusiast. So we're picking up with carbohydrates part five. We're going to really be talking about the low carb and keto diets today. So as a brief overview, we're going to be talking about what is a keto diet, what are the pros and cons of a keto diet, and do that actually work and should we be following those? So first off, what is a keto diet? Well, a keto diet, let's talk about how it works. So a ketogenic diet, which is the long long name for it, is any diet that causes your body to enter a state of ketosis. Well, what's ketosis? Well, ketosis is when the body's metabolism relies heavily on oxygen and forms ketones for energy. Okay, now what's ketones? I keep on getting these K-words, I don't know what they mean. Well, ketones are made when not enough glucose is available and the body starts metabolizing fatty acids to create another energy source. So just like how glucose forms these ATP molecules, Ketones are the exact same way, except for they're formed via a different substrate or a different molecule overall. So the keto diet was actually initially developed to help with people with incurable epilepsy, so mostly with children though. With this, the brain uh, relies heavily on glucose, but it will use ketones if glucose is not available. With this, the diet required 90% of their diet to come from fats, not from proteins, not from carbohydrates, but from fats. So 90%, so you can imagine where the other 10% came from. That's not a lot for proteins and carbohydrates. From there, they also had to adhere to these for greater than three months. So none of these 21-day fixes or 24-day fixes or month fixes or even if you're looking at doing fasting or a low-carb keto diet for Lent, even that's still not long enough for those. But these were all medically um, medically prescribed keto diets. So the keto diets today, because these are going to be a little bit different from what those are, these keto diets today are moderate protein up intake, so 20% of our total daily calorie intake high in fat intake from anywhere from 50 to 70%, which sounds a lot more reasonable than 90% to me, and then carbohydrate intake of 30% or less. And this gives a slightly elevated level of ketones, but nowhere near the amount of ketones to change things as the other prescribed initially developed ketogenic diet. So what are the pros and cons of a ketogenic diet? Well, let's start with the pros. With pros, it can result in weight loss. It may allow or may suppress and allow for better control over appetite. And the medically prescribed keto diets can help with epilepsy. Once again, that's medically prescribed, not just what you feel like you can do, but something that a medical doctor has to prescribe for you for epilepsy or maybe other health issues out there. So what are the cons? Well, keto diets today, as I said, aren't really long-term. A lot of people will stick with them for a very short term, so they don't really get all the benefits that they could offer. With that, there is a decreased weight or scale weight from water loss, but not necessarily from fat loss, and that is mostly due from the shorter term, not from the long-term adherence. Also, any limiting diet can also result in micronutrient deficiency. So you might not be getting all your B vitamins or other nutrients that you might actually need. So just making sure that you are staying up to date with all your micronutrients and making sure you take any supplements that are needed. Long, a long list of side effects of a ketogenic diet is dehydration, hypoglycemia, lethargy, metabolic acidosis, which is just where your body becomes more acidic than what it needs to be, which can lead to a long list of other issues and then gastrointestinal problems so if you have if you eat things and it your stomach's always upset every time you eat there that could be a cause um not always, but that could also lead to it. high levels of bad cholesterol are also another thing so increased popularity from rapid weight loss due to change eating habits and water loss, do these keto diets actually work? They are useful for weight loss, but when compared to other weight loss diets, it is not more or less beneficial. Reduced carbohydrate intake can reduce glycogen stores, which is the stores your energy storage at by 50% within a week. Glycogen holds water, which means reduced glycogen stores reduces water stores. So that can also, mean dehydration, and it could also mean not being able to have that water storage in case of any emergencies. Maybe you just don't have water for a few days because you're out hiking or something, or maybe you run out of water at your house. So how do you follow a keto diet to make sure it actually works? Well, drinking lots of water. That would be my first one it seems like dehydration is a big issue with this. Limiting carb intake to less than 50 grams per day, no more than 80, in order to achieve that ketosis that is desired. Protein intake of at least 20%. And then consuming high fats, once again, that 50 to 70% range. And then making sure you consume all your daily caloric intake. So not, if you need 2000 calories in a day, Not eating 1,500, not eating 1,000, but making sure you really hit that 2,000 mark. That way you're not cutting yourself short on energy. And then also consuming all the micronutrients, whether it's through foods or through supplements. That way you're not limiting yourself on other factors that could be really important and really beneficial for your health overall. Anyways, that's it for today's Health Tips with Kale. Thank you, and I'll see you guys again next week. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to this is Elizabeth Ann Reinhardt Gibson's Let's Go Back Through Time and her stories living in Mooresville, North Carolina. Here we go. I was at Coit and Thelma's playing with Shirley Coit, and I had a little trap door cut through the floor to let the milk down on a rope to keep it from spoiling. Shirley and I were sitting on the floor with our legs hanging over the hole. I looked over and Shirley was gone. She had fallen through the hole. Oh, my. Thelma was so excited when I told her she couldn't find the keys to unlock the cellar door. Shirley wasn't hurt too badly. Then one Sunday morning, Sarah and Jeanette had the old gray mare out to ride, and they put Shirley and me on her to ride, and Shirley pulled me off, and we fell hard onto the ground. Then there were the Chesterfield cigarettes that Coit bought by the carton. She and I would swipe a pack and matches, and we would go out to a mud hole and to smoke the whole pack. Or if we had any left, we hid them under the pig trough. It had always been drilled into our heads to be certain to never strike a match in or near the barn or any building. <laughs> oh, so that they didn't quite follow the rules there. So, all right, moving right along. Coy and Thelma always went to Long Island on Sunday afternoon to see her mother and daddy. We had to drive over an old dirt road like a washboard called Molly's Backbone. We were all over the back rumble seat or back seat of the car. Also, Coy always hit the little brown jug before we would go. And while we and while he was at St- Staley's. He stopped and visited with a little old lady Thelma had grown up near. She was telling of someone being in the horse piddle. Shirley and I were laughing our heads off as Coit kept trying to make us be quiet. Year-round, there was always work to keep up with. Mondays were usually wash day, an all-day project, we drew water or caught rainwater in rain barrels to heat in two big black wash pots out back of the house. After heating the water, we began scrubbing white clothes as clean as possible with homemade lye soap, rinsed and boiled before hanging on the clothesline or spread across hedge bushes. When the same thing, then the same thing with the dark clothes. Bill and John would help Mother, Sarah, Jeanette, and me. Once in a while, they got a little bored and would take a towel and wind it up and slap the other across the backside just to start a fight. All wearing clothes were starched so they would iron up real smoothly. Tuesday would be ironing day after sprinkling the clothes down and letting them set for a while. Then flat irons were heated on the cook stove to iron the clothes. We hung them up in a big wardrobe while we kept... Where we kept her clothes, Mother would pick a day to make homemade lye soap. it was it too was a day's work building a rolling fire under the washpots. Soap was made with lard lye and water cooked to a point that Mother knew when it was right. Then she would let it cool in the pot and she would cut it into the sizes she desired and stored it in the smokehouse where the side meat ham and bulk salt and one hundred pound sacks were also stored there. The old black iron wash pots were used for many uses. Hominy making was another big day operation. They shelled dry corn and boiled it in a live solution for hours and hours to cook it down and to remove the husk. Then it was washed, washed, and washed before eating. Creighton, you know, these stories makes me think of how lucky we are today. Mm. Yeah. I cannot imagine having to wash clothes all day long one day and then iron them all the next. Yeah. So that's the end of today's stories um, with Elizabeth Ann Reinhart Gibson, and we hope you join us again next time. Thank you for watching Karen Corner. Make sure you head over to our Facebook and YouTube channel where you will find this program along with others. Be sure that you subscribe like and click the notification bell so that you will receive notifications for our weekly program. Don't forget to share this program to your social media platforms. If there's a question that you would like to ask, make sure to email it to caringcorner22 at gmail.com. We hope to see you on the next episode of Caring Corner.